You're listening to Gospel Theory, a Call to Learn audio podcast. For more information about Call to Learn, visit calledtolearn.com. That's calledtolearn.com. Thank you for listening. Hi, and welcome to Gospel Theory, where we talk about the true principles of Jesus Christ through all of those rumors, those myths, and those incorrect definitions. I am Trusta Neal. And I'm Isak Neal, and welcome. Today, we are going to talk about the leadership in the home and how important it is as a mother, as a father, as, um, uh, as leaders in the home, that how much we need to know about those principles of leadership. And we've got a guest with us, Brandy Lewis. Brandy, thank you for coming. Thanks for having me today. So why don't we start out with getting to know who you are? Will you give us a like a little background of what got you interested in leadership in the home and what made you a leader in the home? And tell us a little bit about your background. Um, I was born in Pennsylvania, so I'm from the east and I grew up in a small town. And my mom and dad were um, they got married as teenagers. And when you have teenage parents, um, over time, when you become a teenager, you realize that you're the same (laughs) and you start to seek out, you know, information. And so, um, I just didn't want to have a family really young. I wanted to travel. I wanted to join the military. I was really interested in business. Mothering didn't seem to be part of my purview of what I thought that I would do. And so, um, I joined the military. And so in the military, you learn a lot about leadership, right? And you learn how to follow and you learn how to lead. And um, I was intrigued by that. And at the same time, I actually joined the church and learned that, you know, the most important job in the world is kind of motherhood. That was kind of devastating when I figured that out because I was like... Kind of ruins your plans a little bit. (laughs) A little bit. It wasn't part of my agenda. You know, I was going to go change the world. I was going to go, you know, be a businesswoman. And I was really into politics at that time. I thought a lobbyist would be a cool job. I mean, I was just, the whole world was in front of me, right? Yeah. So I wasn't quite sure, but then I joined the church and I learned about family. And I remember a couple of families that I had growing up, like my family was really good. Like I, I was blessed with a really good family, but um, as far as learning how to adult and learning how to um, parent, I don't think that I had skill set for that because mm. most people don't have that skill set. They just you probably didn't have a, a role model either then. No, not really. I came from a, um, and you know, I came from four generations of getting married out of the necessity of pregnancy. Mm, Wow. Four um, generations. Wow. Four generations. And I was determined I wasn't going to be the fifth. And so I didn't want to get pregnant. I didn't want to get married. And so family wasn't on my radar because I saw the limitations from a lot of my family members. There was a lot of regret. If we hadn't gotten pregnant, maybe would I have this person if you know Mm -hmm. so I try to be really conscious about marrying but when I got and so I wasn't in a big hurry to get married until I joined the church of you know the LDS church and marriage and family are super important then I felt like well maybe I should hurry up and get married and so I think then I reversed and was a little bit too anxious and I unfortunately married the wrong person yeah and when I got married because I didn't want to get married but when I got married, I, I decided that that was the path it was going to go. And, 
you know, we had had some inappropriateness, right? And back in the day, they were really big on you just need to get married. Like I wasn't pregnant or anything, but I know I'm like, well, I really want to go on a mission. Well, you really should get married. That's your number one responsibility. Unfortunately, they don't counsel that anymore. That's a more private issue, but they used to counsel that. Yeah. If you had had any physical indiscretions or anything with anybody, they expected, you know, you don't kind of walk that path. Mm-hmm. And so I walked the path of getting married too soon, too quickly. And then I realized as soon as I got married, I got pregnant, like within the first year. So my first year anniversary, I have a baby that I'm nursing that's seven days old, right? Like wow. I got pregnant, wow. married married, pregnant right away. And then I felt devastated, like, oh my gosh, what, what now? Like it's babies, you know, I'm not ready for this. And so I really fought against mothering at first. And then, so I didn't full-time mother. I worked part-time, did jobs. And then my, in 1999, I was still in the Air Force Reserve at the time. And then I was working for a trucking company. I was busy My husband told me that basically, you know, I didn't have to work, but if I chose to work, I pretty much had to do everything. And I was working at this trucking company and I was trying to decide if I was going to go back to work when I was pregnant with my second daughter. And on July 24th, 1999, I gave birth to my daughter and I lost my job all at the same time. Wow. And so then I was like, now what? And so then I started researching motherhood. And I found this book called Shattering the Two Income Myth. And I started really focusing on being a mother and figuring out how to be a mother. And that led me to character counts and ethics. And I really started diving into religion and figuring out what motherhood looked like. And through the process, I realized that, wow, there's a lot of influence here. Like this is legacy work. This is more than leadership in a business, right? Like you can be replaced motherhood. You can't be replaced. So it's the ultimate leadership. And so I became pretty passionate about it. And, you know, your audience is predominantly LDS, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, and then I got a patriarchal blessing. I didn't even talk about motherhood. So like, what the heck, you know? (laughs) And so I just, I, I was just kind of trying to fill my way out, you know? And this new culture, this new religion, this new tradition, and this idea of motherhood. And since that time, I've realized that it's bigger than the LDS religion. Like it is a worldwide concept, leadership, womanhood. Yeah. Awesome. So what, I remember you telling me a story about um, after your divorce, you were so grateful that you knew about motherhood and you had these systems in place so that you, so that you could go through that, that really hard trial of, of divorce. Yeah. So one of the problems when you go through divorce is it's an, it's an, it's a death. It's an ultimately a death while you're alive, <laughs> like keeps happening. And yeah. so. But people still need to eat. Laundry still needs to get done. Kids still need to get to and from where they need to go. You still need to have income. You still need to have all this resource management, if you will, right? How many children do you have by this time? Um, I have four. Okay. At that point, I had four. Okay. And so at, I had four children. And um, 
when you go through a divorce for anyone who's been through a divorce, you have to go through a divorce counseling process. You have to take these divorce classes for parenting, which is retarded because why is that not happening before you ever marry? Yeah. <laughs> but you do it at the end. Yeah. Which is one of the things that I hope to change, but like, so you have to go through these classes and when we had, and so you end up one of the strategies that is happens in divorce when trying to award custody is they always want to throw the kids into therapy. Mm. to show competence of parents or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So I took my kids to a therapist one time. They only had to go to a therapist one time. And the therapist told me that my kids were the most integrated, established. Well, like we didn't need to see them, that they understood what was going on and they were transitioning fine. Wow. The wow. Reason, That's impressive. And the reason I believe that they were transitioning fine is our life didn't change much through the divorce because we already had a system, right? So mm. when you have a system, you can go on autopilot. When you don't have a system, you're already in a crisis. And unfortunately, no system is a system. And so yeah, a lot exactly. of people are living their life and they're not sustainable. And so an illness, a death, a divorce, the pandemic, <laughs> like something tragically happens and they are completely off balance because mm -hmm. you can run your life without a system until there's a problem. And so we had a system. So when the problem came up, it was like we pivoted and it was a natural pivot, right? Like the pivot is we are not a nuclear family, but we still have stability and these areas this one area is not stable but all of these other areas are and yeah. there has to be somebody that holds the line and that's what leaders do and particularly mothers or fathers somebody has to be a stable leader in the home when there's chaos like you have to have that and i was a stable leader so my children did not see me having the breakdown Right. Because leaders don't have a breakdown in front of the people they're leading. That's not a good leadership trait. Crying yeah. in the corner does not offer security and stability to those that you're managing or that you're leading or guiding. It doesn't yep. give you confidence. So you have to be able to go to a place inside you where you can lead no matter what's happening in your life, whether it be divorce, whether it be disease, death, illness, sickness, whatever, because you're a mother and the most important gift that you give your children is security and stability. That's why they encourage not fighting in front of children because mm -hmm. it, it, it makes them fearful. Yeah. So that's what leaders do, whether it's in your home or in your business, like wherever you have to be able to have that skill set and it's a learned behavior i think some people have it naturally but i think it, it can be taught and so that's what i believe more women need to know how to do especially when and in, in an unstable environment that we're living in the world and and just in general we yeah. don't know everything and be, when you don't know everything that's what courage is and leadership is you've got to have the courage to go into the darkness and panic on the inside, but everyone sees calm as glass. <laughs> yeah, and you can panic somewhere else, right? And where's the, what's the difference between that and putting on a face, though? Like because I because I think that you can be honest with your kids, like okay. in the sense, and your spouse. Like one of the things, like I say, mom's taking a time out. 
like I'm just taking a time out. Like I need to go. And I, and I'm not saying that you hide from them all the time. Like my kids have seen me start to tear up and we have a conversation like that's an emotional thing. Emotions happen. Mom's tearing up. My kids have not seen me have a breakdown. My adult children have, because now they're, they're into the friend category and the raw, real honesty. I don't think that we do our children favors when we give complete raw, real honesty of vulnerability when they're vulnerable. Yeah. You know, like who's, who's the leader here, right? Like it's not my, my kid's responsibility to be emotionally responsible for my emotions. As a leader, I need to find the people that are, that I can be emotionally vulnerable with that I'm yeah, not a, leading. Yeah. Yeah. I have a lot of friends that, uh, basically parented their own parents that's what i'm talking about yeah. mm-hmm. it's, not and right. that's, it's not right and that's what i had to do in some ways as a as a child of a teenage parent i didn't have a divorced parent but i had a teenage parent mm-hmm. right and so there's similar similarities to that which is why i feel like i can relate to divorced kids a little bit yeah. like at some point i felt like i outgrew my parents And so as a leader, leaders are always studying and reading books and learning how to develop leadership skills. And I think that we take motherhood and fatherhood and we separate them from leadership. Like somehow leadership is is only for the business world. Like, but really a leader is a guide. And is that not what a father or mother is? Like leadership starts at home. It doesn't start after you leave the home, it starts in the home. So maybe so what I, you should do is define leadership, right? What, what, what is leadership to you? Go ahead. Sorry. What is leadership to you? So, so that we know the difference between parenting and leadership and why is there that disconnect? I don't think there's a disconnect. That's well, the difference. I think parenting is leadership. Like we call parenting, giving birth to children. That's not parenting. That's true. That's true. Right. Like people so what, say, what is leadership though? How would you define leadership? So I would define leadership as having a vision of where you want something to go and then making the necessary plans, steps, and living in such a way that you get to that destination. Ah, Most people- So plan steps, that's good. It's plan steps. You make a plan of how you want to live and what direction you want to take yourself and your family. Most people do not think about that. They think about parenting. It's like a one and done. And so in the five levels of leadership, and I'm not going to quote that, but there's a book, it talks about the five levels of leadership and the basic first level of being a leader is position. Mm-hmm. That's what parenting is. Is this parenting. the one by, is this the one by, um, uh, what's his name? McDowell? No. Oh, shoot. I can't remember, but I wasn't prepared to talk oh, about okay. it. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's okay. Look it up on your phone real quick, Isaac. It's like in the back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Let's look it up. I don't have my Maxwell. System. It's John Maxwell. Okay. Right. Yeah. So the five levels of leadership and the very first one is position. Yes. Okay. So we have a lot of parents that have position mm-hmm. because they gave birth and they now have the role of the mother or father. Okay. But that doesn't make you a leader. Position doesn't demand respect. But what happens is a lot of parents, I'm the mother, I'm the father, I'm the parent. They want you as a child to submit to your position, right? That's called a tyrant. And the workforce, that's micromanagement, right? Absolutely. We do not want that. But that's what we have in our homes. We have tyrants that are 
tyrannically parenting children, emotion-based, and they're not teaching anything but how to be a tyrant, emotional-based human that goes into the world. And then we have all of the effects of that poor leadership bleeding out into every part of our world in our society mm-hmm. because we don't want to have the honest conversation. Yeah, yeah. You're, a parent, you're a sperm donor or an egg donor and you have the position. What are you doing with the position and the God-given ability that you have to influence generations? What are you doing with that? Yeah. So tell us about what you, what, what would a typical day look like you, but, you know, tell us about your systems that you're running in your home. What does it look like for those step-by-step? Yeah. For you. So as a leader, a leader has to fill their cup, right? Like, so I have a morning routine that is basically where I focus on myself Mm -hmm. and I fill my own vessel. Right. And so my day is broken into three segments. It's from the time I get up till the time I start my work day. And that's where it's all about me. And I call them time blocks. So that block of time is all about self. And then the middle part of my day and until after dinner, that main focus is home and family and my professional pursuits like that service to others. Right. And then at the end of that, I, so I'm very structured. So I'm like, how anal do I want to tell you that I am? (laughs) (laughs) I get up anywhere between four to five. Right. And then I do my morning business for me. Then I do what I need to do for my house. And I'm at my desk between eight and nine. Right. And then from eight, it's like basically an eight to eight day. I'm in service. I'm not saying I don't stop and and eat and I don't take a walk and I don't do things for me, but it's not about me during that middle part of my day. It's really about service. Um, A set block that I have is five to seven is family block. You know, from five to six, I'm doing meal prep. I'm spending time with my kids. I'm doing whatever. From six to seven, we're doing dinner. We're doing you know, our scriptures, our books, whatever we do after that. And so that block is pretty much everyone knows they have to be home at 6 p.m. at our house, except for Wednesdays and Fridays. And then at eight o'clock, I go to my room and I am done with you. Like everyone. (laughs) I've done my service. (laughs) And I go back to my room because a good leader knows how to manage their time and they know how to manage their own energy. Mm-hmm. And in management is really about energy management. That's what you're managing. You're managing your own energy. So when you have that. a system, you're not using your same energy every day to make the same mundane decisions that you can make one time and be done. Right. I don't have to reinvent my schedule every day. I don't have to think about dinner every day. I don't think about certain things every day. And then that allows me to have energy to be creative, energy to, to be noticing the things that I need to notice. So I learned about leadership. So we had this thing I worked for when I was going through my divorce, I've always been self-employed. I worked for Walmart and I worked when I worked for Walmart, I was a manager there and they had some routines. And that's when I really saw the connection for leadership and motherhood. I, Mm. I didn't totally figure it out to the extent that I figured it out till I went to work for corporate America. Oh, and interesting. trained in leadership. And then I'm like, oh, 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 here's the next level, right? I was able to put it together. And we had every day, you had, they had a system. You had, this is what you do daily at Walmart. This is what you do weekly. This is what we do monthly. This is what we do annually. Same way I run my home, right? They have mm-hmm. a similar system. 
The managers that are successful use that system. The managers that aren't do not because it's a logistical system. And I was a logistical manager. Mm -hmm. So I used their system and I adapted it. And one of the things that we did is every day when you go to work or when you took over shift, you had a board and you did a walkthrough, right? And we wrote down maybe this end cap or something was completely out of stock and there was a run on it. And there, so we have our daily things that we always do, but now we have our thing that popped in that we weren't planning on because something happened in an event, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to add it to your list. Well, that happens in your home. A lot more, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we think it's a lot more because we're reactively living. Oh, interesting. Okay. But when you have a system, you can now notice. I can notice those other things. I can notice the child that looks a little not so happy this morning Mm. because I'm not fixated on surviving and cooking breakfast or getting out the door, right? So now when you have the ability where you have the systems in place, you can take your leadership to the next level where you're actually fostering relationships, where you're noticing, I notice every morning that such and such is consistently 15 minutes late. So I can like now address how to parent them so that they understand that you're 15 minutes late is not really 15 minutes, it's 45 because you've taken 15 minutes away from five people. Mm, yeah, good point. Right? And you can start noticing, but if you, and that's true parenting, that's true leadership. Yeah. We're caregiving. Most people are caregiving. Mm-hmm. That's all they're doing. And they're calling that parenting. Ah. That's not parenting. Caregiving is not parenting. So just, it's just a part of it, right, though? Yeah, it's just a, it's a small portion. It's level one parenting. It is the most basic parenting. Food, clothing, shelter, big whoop-de-doo, the lowest Maslow's hierarchy of need. <laughs> that like, doesn't make any life, your life easier. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't change. It does not help you in the world. It helps you to function. We want you to flow and we want you to flourish. And that's where you learn that is at home. That's where you could learn it. Mm. But unfortunately, we're we really dumbed down. And that's kind of where the simply be more concept comes from. Like we want people to be better parents, better families, better children, whatever. Like we want this creative explosion of these and this technology that we live in of these rock solid, amazing humans that have moved past laundry and dishes and basic Maslow low level parenting and living like, Hey, let's bump it up a notch guys. Let's, let's get in the game of what you can be and have the potential to be. And I think that brings so much more joy, right? So much more fulfillment in in your calling rather than just mundane working. Well, it brings the opportunity. I like to say the first level is obligation. Everything is obligatory. Uh-huh. You're, you, you're obligated to feed them. You're obligated to clothe them. You're obligated. It's, it's this obligation mentality, which is why people get depressed and overwhelmed and whatever because they're looking at it as an obligation yeah instead of looking at it as an opportunity gotcha you know it's an opportunity yeah. i have the opportunity to teach my children how to cook and how to eat good food and have healthy nutrition so that they have a good body so that they can live a good life and they can do all the things that they want to do right yes yeah 
motherhood and parenthood is an opportunity, but we've kind of made it an obligation. I'm obligated to take care of these children because I gave birth to them. Because mm-hmm. they've never really thought through the obligation that giving birth means. Like you're now responsible not just for food, clothing, shelter, you're responsible for the physical well-being, you're responsible for their environment, you're responsible for their emotional health, their financial health, their, you know, their well, you know, everything. Mm-hmm. You're responsible for all of those, the relationships, because how you do one thing is how you do everything. So if you grow up in a home where you're completely focused on emotion and there's zero logic, like everything is emotionally driven, then you're going to have a hard time coping in our world. And we've had a huge shift where we shift it to emotions. Well, emotions don't get anything done. Yeah. You know, that's just a feeling. The Mm -hmm. work comes through thinking about the feelings and which feelings should I act on to get to the vision that I have for my life. Yeah. It doesn't mean that they're not important. They just need to be prioritized in the right order. Mm -hmm. So like I always say, you don't have the time for the breakdown that you deserve. Yeah, as a mom, I could have breakdowns a lot. I don't have time for that because the collateral damage that having a breakdown does on a regular basis over stupid things has a ripple effect that you can't turn back. Like yeah. it's constant. Like if you constantly are are basically having emotional outburst over basic living every day in your home, you're 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 denying yourself and your opportunity for true growth. Well, that's what I love. That's what I love about what you do in the mornings, right? You take care of yourself. That's the time that you make sure that you can breathe before, you know, and breathe and work. You know, they have that, that, that uh, cliche saying, you know, in the planes, you got to breathe first and then you give it to your children because Mm -hmm. you've got to be able to be there for them. So you have to be responsible enough to take care of yourself. Um, that me and my wife have been talking about as we're thinking about becoming parents. Um, she just got recently diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder and she only has, as she describes it to me, so many pennies she can spend throughout the day. Right. And when those pennies are ending, it's done. It's over. She can't do anything else. She does not have the energy. So that's why I love this idea of a system of where everything is put into place. And then something if she does have a flare up or if it doesn't work necessarily work out and then somebody needs to cover that or do we need to do this, make some shifts, it's much easier than to say, okay, well, now I can spend the energy that I want to teaching or homeschooling yeah. my kids or, or being, uh, being a, a, a teacher. Um, we, I, I think instead we, we tend to think, oh, it's such a burden to be a parent because we don't have these systems in place. That's correct. So exactly. how, how do people start then? What, what do they need to start? What is this basic, what's the first step to be creating a system? Well, the first step to creating a system is, is has to do with you. I call it the four square, health, wealth, love, and self-expression are, are what I teach. And it starts with your own health, your own individual, and your own environment. So I call it inside out. Like it starts with the inside and you have to really focus on your own personal development, knowing what your energy is. Like your, your wife is great. She knows, I love the example of using pennies. It goes back to energy. Everything is energy. We're energy. Mm 
you know, energy gets us fru fru name or whatever. But if you looked at us under high molecule, you know, our molecules are just vibrating. We're just energy, right? And so you need to like understand who you are, like what you're capable of. I know that I can't function in chaos. So I can't function. And so I have one of my modules and the course that I put together is chaos versus peace. Chaos stands for can't have anyone over syndrome and peace (laughs) for planning effectively and cultivating environments. And so I really talk about peace and what peace is, is in your inside, knowing what you have to plan for, right? How to spend your pennies, knowing what your triggers are, what what upsets you, what sends you over the edge, That's right? It's called emotional intelligence. And it's, I really, we make that a staple in me and my wife's relationship. It's a big deal. And that's where you have to start. The first system is you, because you are the system. Mm-hmm. You know, like, be that's the power the example of one. Yeah. yeah, be the power of one. Mm-hmm. The become the star in your life. That's my program. Becoming the star is system to achieve results. You are the star in your own life. You need to understand and personally develop the parts of you that are broken because we all have brokenness, mm-hmm. right? But how long do you want to hold on to it? How long are you going to keep it, right? Like. That's, you have to start there. That's the beginning of the system is your own personal development and leadership skills. And once you have developed you and you know, Brandy needs exactly this much time in the morning to be the best version of Brandy. This is how much I need. So that means that great. I don't care what every book on the planet says that morning is a great time to go work out. They say the people work out in the morning are the most consistent. Well, I would rather be inconsistent at working out and be happy then be ticked off because I got up at five o'clock, went into a gym with all the lighting, all the people, all the noise, all the music and all that energy at 5 a.m. that just does not sit well with me. It just makes me off the entire day. Right. Yeah. So I don't care what the expert said. What does this expert say? What does Brandy say that I need? And so you everybody needs to figure that out. We all need the same things. And all the same things have the same value, but each person needs a different quantity. Like Trust and I have talked about, you know, for scripture study, one verse a day is not going to work for me. I've been reading too many verses too long for too many years. That's not going to fill my cup up. It's just like an athlete who's been exercising every single day. They're not going to be able to take a walk around the block and I'm done. (laughs) Right. So you have to know what are the core basic parts of being a human on this planet and personally develop that. And then the next step is creating a system around your needs. Like I have a basic template, but I don't know what Isak needs. What do you need for your mental health? What makes you tick? Are you fine? Are you the person that can cook breakfast when there's stuff all on the counter? I'm not that person. (laughs) So when bedtime comes, everyone knows that I shut down the kitchen, meaning I clean it up. I put the the kitchen. I I shut down the kitchen. I put the dishwasher on delay and the kitchen is clean and it looks a certain way. If I get up and it doesn't look that way, then somebody's going to be held accountable for that. Mm. But what happens is we hold people accountable when it's already broken or we've reached our boiling point. And then how can you lead? Because nobody knows when you're going to reach your boiling point because it's constantly chaos. 
Mm. So then kids are confused and your team is confused. Like in business, you can't not have a system and then get mad when somebody doesn't follow the system. You have zero authority. Oh, it happens all the time in the workplace. (laughs) It has zero authority. Like you've not, you've not made a boundary. You've not set a standard. You've not made an expectation. You've not communicated it. And then you want to enforce tyranny. That's what I call it. You, you have a toxic environment and your kids don't know what to do because today this was okay, but yesterday it wasn't. Tomorrow, will it be or won't it be? Like, I'm not sure how to lead. Yeah, and one of, one of two things will happen at that point. Either you'll become a rebel and you'll rebel against the system or B, you'll implode and walk on eggshells the rest of your life, which only causes more emotional stress and pain on the child. Right. And then you take that into your next relationship and then you poured it onto your own children because nobody addressed the fact that you lived in a dysfunctional family. Because we have this myth that dysfunctional is not dysfunction is the norm. Right. Everyone thinks they just want a normal family. Okay, let me let me just clear that myth up. Okay, function is normal. That's what's normal. We're here to get out of dysfunction. We're here to simply become more like we're here to overcome whatever cards we've been dealt. Right. Because everyone's feeling like they're screwed over because somehow they didn't get the perfect mom and dad or they didn't get this or they didn't get that. So they're dealing with the first 18 years of childhood trauma. And if they're smart, they figure it out in the next 18 or 20. And if they're not smart, they're still suffering with it at 60. Yeah. Yeah. Like, are you serious? Like, I'm not going to live my life like that. Like, so, you know, we're, our lives are kind of lived in phases and I'm going to be 50 this year. And like, I'm kind of to the point where like, I'm just going to say it like how it is. Like, this is the way it is guys. Like you can suffer and not figure it out, but it's not going away. You can put your hand, head in the sand and act like you weren't affected by your childhood. Everybody was. But the question is, how long are you going to hold that against your parents? Because once you turn 18, you're an adult. Yeah. You're responsible to do the work. Going back, they aren't even going to remember the stuff that traumatized you, especially if you have a whole bunch of children. You're not going to remember it. So I always tell my kids when they turn 18, we have a discussion. Is there anything that you have a problem with me right now that you want to talk about? Because I do not want to hear about it in 30 years. Like like right now. And we have that conversation. Right. And then over time, there might be something that they'll bring up. But I'm so brutally honest where I put the onus on them. You're an adult now. It's time to adult. I did what was best for me when I did it. And I had these reasons. You might not understand them. You might not go through the struggle. I was doing the best that I could. But for some reason, We're afraid to do that as parents, but leaders, good leaders are not afraid to do that because good leaders pivot. That's what they do. They pivot. They own. Okay, guys, I just took us this direction. This was not a good decision. I shouldn't have done that. I made a mistake and now I pivot. I, that's how I parent. I made a mistake. I, I was mean. I shouldn't have said that. I'm taking a timeout. I apologize. I'm sorry I embarrassed you in front of your siblings, but I was angry because I've told you 10 million times to do it this way and you're making it more difficult. Yeah. 
So, you know, I'm human. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. So you can be a good leader and be human. Or you can be a tyrant. And a lot of parents are tyrant tyrants. They're just tyrants. And if we're talking to predominant LDS, um, LDS audience, that does not even coincide with the war in heaven. Who was the tyrant? Do it my way. And that's the way it is. That's Satan's plan. Yeah. Free will was not is the way that most people say they want life, but that's not how they lead in life. They don't want anyone else to have free will, but them. <laughs> yeah, no, that happens a lot. Yeah, it's you know? true. It's true. So one of the things that you mentioned is, you know, goal setting and setting those goals and things. That, and, and you said, as it, are my goals helping me get to my vision? So that's right. How would one go about creating a vision? Because don't you think that a lot of families like don't have a direction? Excuse me. Don't have a direction, like don't know where they're headed. How would you, well, how would you get a vision? Well, I think that you have to have, I call it face the mirror. You have to face the mirror. Okay. I mean, you have to have the honest conversation. Why do you have a family to begin with? Especially in LDS culture. There's a lot of people that have a lot of kids that should not have as many kids as they have. They really did not have an honest conversation about it. They are not equipped. Okay. So instead of owning that one, maybe they had more children because of church obligation or family dynamic, or they had came from I a big even say church obligation. It's culture obligation. Culture. They, not they have decided what is. Yeah. yeah. yeah I yes. just want to clear that up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. So, cause I'm not attacking the institution. It's like this in any way, you know, yeah. I mean, people feel obligated to do certain things. So they feel obligated. Let's not even take babies out of it. Like we feel obligated to go to school, to get college, to get a good job, right? Yeah. Like there's these tracks that society's put us on this culture. And the culture happens in our LDS faith with giving birth. You got to get married. If you get married and you don't pop out a baby in the first two years, people are calling you and on the carpet <laughs> asking you, how come you haven't had children yet? Is there something we, when is the first baby coming? Right? <laughs> well, it's been five years for me. <laughs> so I feel that. Yeah. yeah. So people are wondering, is there something wrong, but we don't want to be, we want to be politically correct now. So we don't want to ask, maybe they can't have kids, right? Like mm. there's, there's this other dynamic that's going on. So what I'm, what I'm saying is it doesn't matter your culture. It matters what you think and what you're capable of. So the fact that you and your wife have waited five years and you're having an actual conversation about bringing a child into the world because it's not for 18 years. Leadership in the home is forever. Mm. Once you give birth to that kid, it's not like changing a job. Right. You can't throw your kid away. Nope. Even if you want to. <laughs> right? Like, even if you want to. Like when you're leading in a business, you can fire them. You can't fire your kids. That's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There it's it's a lifetime, lifetime job. It is a lifetime job. And so yeah. to be conscious about it and to plan about it, that's how you make a goal. Okay, we're not having kids yet. Okay, here are the four areas. Let's talk about the health. Okay, health, who's going to do the grocery shopping? Who's going to um, cook? How often? What kind of food are we going to eat? Are we going to be organic or are we going to do takeout? Are we fine with McDonald's? 
Like you have to have the conversations about the areas. How are you going to educate our children? Okay, we want to homeschool. Well, who's going to be predominantly responsible for homeschool? Well, see, you should have yeah. all of those conversations before you even get married, though. That's exactly right. And we don't and have. I definitely did because because <laughs> the way the world is so crazy. I'm like, you're the most stable person in your life is going to be your partner. That's exactly that right. Parent. Right. That's going to be the most stable person, the most person that you can trust the most. So you better do it right. You better do it right. That's why I'm about prevention and prevention is about having hard conversations. Yeah. Right. Like you have to have the hard conversations in the front end. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you get married and you, you can't have all of them, but there are very basic ones that you can have from the get go. <laughs> and most people never have those conversations. It never yeah. they just jump into it and then they're like oh my gosh what just happened like you know what is your expectation so you know you can play there's a book i have it's called the book of questions and one of my goals is it's called the book of questions it literally is it's all these questions that somebody wrote um about to make you think and i always tell my kids read this with the person that you're dating or read this whatever mm-hmm. but i'm creating a simply be more book of questions to avoid divorce like marriage prep like oh, love it questions Great. like kind of from that idea uh-huh it's, it's in my curriculum but you have to ask questions tell me what dinner time looks like what are your expectations right mm-hmm. because you don't have to do everything but it has to be done like you need to do it, you need to delegate it, or you need to hire somebody to do it, right? Like those are the three I teach. Do delegate or hire. Laundry either needs to be done, it needs to be delegated, or it needs to be hired. If you're a woman, you can do all the laundry yourself, or you can delegate it to your kids. But guess what? If you delegate it, you have to train them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of women don't train. And then there's shame about hiring, which is ridiculous because a good leader delegates. And a good leader delegates either via assignments or paying somebody like that's there's yeah, a leader does very little of the work, right? A leader doesn't no. do much of the work at all in, in, in this well, it's work field or too busy home. to do everything else. Right. Yeah. Well, he, oh, managing. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's a good read. What's the difference between managing and leadership? All right. So I'll tell you the difference between managing and leadership. Cause I have a perfect example from when I worked at Walmart. Okay. So, I was a manager that guess what? I never basically ever stocked a single thing because that's what leaders do. They assign the jobs to the people to do what needs to be done because they're keeping track of the bigger picture, right? Yeah. So when we ran an entire store at Walmart, you have different departments that you're over, you're managed over, okay? I managed my department, but then not all managers are there at the same time. So you're managing other people's departments and your departments and the entire store in a day, right? So we had this giant Walmart and I might be responsible for like, and when I lived in Pagosa Springs, Colorado, we had like 80,000 square feet. I might be the only manager in the entire store, right? And I'm responsible for everything that's happening in that store during that time period. Can I be in the corner stocking a shelf? No. No, that can't happen. Okay. Well, we had managers that that's what they would do on their shift because they wanted their department to make sure that it had everything and it looked good, right? Because they were about the details. Mm. The difference between managers and leaders, managers are about the details in a specific area. 
So in very much in homes right now, people are managers only. They're not leaders because say, for example, they're very much into music. So they're managing the music, the music department of their homeschool curriculum. Okay. Right. That's where all the focus, all the energy is, or they're homeschooling. So they've forgotten about the environment. It's all about the education, right? Or we're all about feelers and we're all about relationships. So we're all focused on the relationships and we don't really care much about education because we just want everyone to feel happy. So if they don't want to do school today, we're okay with it because we just want them to be happy. Right. So what happens is managers focus on a detail. Okay. Leaders have to be focused on managing all the details, the whole vision. You got to manage all the departments. Mm -hmm. We got to be worried about the environment. We got to be worried about the health. We got to be worried about the finances. We got to be worried about what they're putting in the brain. We got to be worried about how they're feeling. We got to be worried about how they're socially interacting. We got to be worried about their spirituality. We got to be worried about their creativity. So like, that's what you're managing for yourself. And then if you have a bunch of kids, guess what? You're responsible for all those eight things for everybody else. Mm, yeah. a lot and, more. If, and if you have no system, how can you manage those things? Yeah. How can you manage it? Because I have a five to seven schedule. I'm making sure in five to seven that everybody's being taken care of physically. I'm setting up the environment, right? So a good leader is laying out the groundwork to capitalize on many of those areas that need to be filled simultaneously in yeah. succinction where it's in such a good flow that you don't realize that when we're having mealtime at six o'clock, I'm nourishing you. We're connecting as a family. I'm finding out what happened with you at school. We're emotional. Like it's it, all of them are happening at the dinner table. Yeah. So that way you're not even, I mean, you don't have to worry about the dishes because you know, afterwards you have it a person that's assigned to that. So now you can more be more energy efficient with how now you can be fully present with that child that needs you. And I love that. That's right. That's right. It's like and you're then, living a balanced life too, right? You're, well, it's like the big picture is balancing everything. Yeah. And let's talk a little bit about balance because you and I talked about balance because balance is kind of one of those words. There's no such thing as balance. Yeah, because nothing is equal. Well, <laughs> yeah, because nothing's equal because people have equated balance with equality. Mm. And that's not true. Okay. Yeah. Balance for me means I have extra time for, to focus on my spirituality and my intellectual time, right? I don't need feel-good emotions by hanging out with a bunch of friends in a social environment, right? Like, I don't need that. That's not, that's not my mojo. So what, what happens is because it's not the equal amount of time in every category, we don't think we're balanced. Mm. That's not true. Yeah. Balance is what speaks to you. Like everything has the same value, the same worth. All those eight areas I talked about are, are valuable. And so what people try to do, and this is where expectations and communication are super important. Somebody might valuable time together. I value alone. That's more valuable to me. I need more alone time than I need group time mm -hmm. oh that's so true for me too yeah <laughs> for all three of us i yeah, think yeah. <laughs> yeah. and some people need more group because it's how they also get their energy 
I do not get my energy necessarily from a group. Yeah. Mm. Being in a group is a very much an energy drain to me. For other people, being in, in a group is an energy. It's a boost. Right, so right. that's where it comes into figuring out what you need. So balance is not about being equal. Balance is about being honest and understanding your system. What does your system need and what categories at what level? And then you can figure that out for your spouse, your significant other, your children, your relationships, and you can decide consciously ones you want to keep and ones you want to release. That's yeah. why divorce happens because you're in a relationship that's incongruent and throwing off your balance. Like it's not, and you're not in, you're not in jive. And with your children and when you're, raising them you can't balance that energy the same way like some are going to take more and some are going to take less and you'll have different relationships with them it means you don't it's the same thing with balance you love them all it's just that some take more energy than others and then when they come to adulthood then you decide which ones you're going to give energy to and which ones you're not because now we're adults and you don't need a mom anymore technically you want a friend that's what a mom should turn into and a dad and so that's the difference between balancing and, you know, and equal. They're not the same thing. It's the same thing with women's rights. You know, it's not we're equal. Men and women are equal in value, but they're not equal. They're not the same. Yeah. Equal does not mean the same. And we do the same thing with a whole push with, you know, not to get political with Black Lives Matter. And they want us to now denounce our whitehood and all of that. Like, it's not about superiority. Like, every race has value. Everything has a value, every religion, everything has a value, but it, it's not the same. Equal value does not equate to sameness. And we, we've screwed that and up. We didn't, we know, and I don't think anyone truly deep down inside won't even wants to be the same. No. We want to be different. We yeah. celebrate our differences. And right. then we celebrate the fact that we can work together despite our differences. That's, that's the beauty of, that's the beauty of being here, you know? Yeah. Are you, are, we have our own unique DNA and we have our own unique makeup. I don't understand why there's this desire to like squash it. I think we've embraced our individuality while embracing everyone else's. That's what makes us equal. Love it. Well, so with that balanced life and, and trying to balance it, it has a lot to do with time then, right? Yeah, time is the big one. That's something that managers, because time is energy. Mm. That's yeah. It's a currency. Like I call it time currency logistics. That's kind of my little coined phrase. Okay. Uh -huh. so time is a currency. Where does currency come from? Current. It's energy. Mm -hmm. Time is energy. And so if you want to spend your energy and your time making the same decisions every single day, you are going to have a very mundane, boring, reactive, chaotic life what you are you're going to be in chaos the entire time so you're saying that you need to make all these decisions ahead of time make the yearly decisions the monthly decisions the weekly decisions yeah weekly. but you don't have to do them all the time like everyone thinks planning is like this horrible terrible word planning gives you freedom because and the reason why everyone doesn't like the word planning is it's because it's work mm. but you're still doing the work. The question is, are you going to be smart and do the work like once and then review it annually? Or are you going to do the work every freaking day? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
you know what I'm saying? Hard, easy, easy, hard. Yeah. It's easy now. It's going to be, well, easy now would mean I can just ignore it. Hard would be, um, let's actually plan it. And then it's going to become easier later on. That's right. Yeah. I love that easy, hard, hard, easy, because it's the truth. Because then the other trick is, or it can be hard, hard, hard. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually it just gets harder. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's what ends up happening because you cannot have a plan when you have an infant. Okay. But then you're going to complain that you never get to go on a date. You can't leave your kid with anybody because you have zero routine. Zero. You know, I I literally was going to make a video um, about laundry. Like, I don't understand why everyone acts like laundry is like this big freaking chore. Like, I literally had one of my kids the other day. Somebody spilled something on their bedspread. So then they didn't put their bedspread in. They just threw it on the counter for me to do. So I washed the bedspread or whatever. So it sat there until I, I moved it. I wanted to actually see how long it would take. Okay. What didn't get done. I had to finish it the whole way. Right. And so then the next kid comes along and they decide that they're going to dye their shirt, really cool sweatshirt and make this awesome design. So they literally take the clothes that were in the dryer and they throw them on the counter. Right. And they sat on the counter. It took me less than five minutes to fold a load of laundry, but what people do is laundry is like the easiest thing in the world, but we make it this gigantic project. And so like they'll move it from the washing machine to the dryer, and then they'll take it from the dryer and put it on the counter or put it on a basket or put it on a bed or put it on a couch. And then they'll touch it like five times where they could have folded it. (laughs) And they used way more energy. Like we, we don't think about everything that we do. It uses way more energy. It takes two minutes to unload the dishwasher, two minutes. And it takes less than that to put them away. If your cupboards are by the dishwasher, why would you have food in the cupboard above the dishwasher? Mm. Like that doesn't make any sense. So we lay out our entire lives for easy, which makes life hard. Mm. Yeah. There's no, (laughs) there's like all these things that we do, you know, it's like very easy. If the dishwasher is over here, all the dishes should be right there. That's where they should be. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a really good tip. All the stuff to cook with should be beside the stove. (laughs) Like it's not rocket science. (laughs) Wow. So one of the things, Brenda, you mentioned to me earlier was um, about asset protection. What are our assets in, in family life? Okay, so asset protection is kind of a word that you use in business, mm-hmm. right? We're protecting the assets as a manager. Your home is a business. It has all the same departments that a business has. And if we equate it to like a Walmart, you have health and beauty, right? That's where you buy all the things that are, they call them consumables. There are basically things that you're going to run out of and that you're going to go back. So dog food and makeup are in the same managerial department. And I was like, that's weird. Like at first it didn't make sense to me. Well, it's because it's a consumable. You're going to use it again, right? It's going to get used again, cleaning products, all those things that go in the same category. So Protecting your assets means you need to know what your inventory is in your home. How many people don't have inventory management in their house? They have what I call reactive management. They're starting dinner and then they realize they don't have something or they, so they go buy it 
so now dinner's late and the whole system gets thrown off guard, right? Now they're stuck in traffic. Now they're using more gas. So they've wasted the asset of time. They've wasted their money, right? And now they're using their money, which is a resource, to buy another resource that because they have a disorganized shelf, come to find out when they came home, it was in the back left-hand corner behind peas. <laughs> so asset management is understanding what you have, what you need, and what you need to purchase mm. when it comes to supplies. Yeah. Because your home is a supply chain. Just like in a store, what is my base inventory? How much are we rotating through? There's not very many people who can tell you what they need on a regular basis to make it for three months. They don't know. Yeah. And then in the system for this whole food storage, they'll buy extra cans of tuna or extra cans of whatever, thinking that they're prepared. And I have all this crap on the shelf that they don't even eat. So now they've just wasted their asset on stuff that they don't need to have stuff to, to quote, be prepared, right? So like we have this whole dysfunction going on around assets. So people are assets. So if you're a mom that can't take a day off ever because nobody can take your job, then you're failing miserably as a leader. You're, you're not, you've not taught anybody. You've not, you've basically employed yourself into slavery. You are a slave to your house. That's why you feel miserable because you are a slave. Yeah. So I don't, I don't mix bones about it. If you can't leave, you've enslaved yourself. So you've either done it out of two reasons, willfully, like you've done it on purpose and you want to have a codependent family and a codependent relationship, or you've done it out of ignorance meaning that's how you've been taught and you're perpetuating it and you're, you know that something's wrong, you don't quite know how to fix it and you're sincerely searching or you're doing it in a proactive way where you're reaching out and you're like, I need to figure this out. Like, I do not want to live like this. I know this isn't healthy. I do not want to push it on to my generations, which goes back to facing the mirror. So like you have to look at everything as an asset. Your time is an asset, your money is an asset and people are an asset. So if you're tired as a mom, then you have no system to delegate because if you have a system, you can delegate. And if you have a system, you can hold people accountable. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a system, you can't delegate. You can't hold an accountable an accountability. So you've enslaved yourself. You're a slave. That's true. Yeah. In your own home. And then what happens? You become enslaved. Now you're resentful. Now you're angry at the world and we blame it on our periods. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we blame it on, you know, our health. We blame it on all these other issues. When the core issue is you had zero system, you used all your pennies, as Isaac would say, you have no energy and now you're mad at everyone else or you want them to fix it, but they can't fix it because then it's not the way you want it, but you don't know how you want it because you never told anybody. Yep, exactly. Wow. wow. Well, I think you've set up a really good um, argument against we need systems, right? <laughs> we really need systems in our home. The church has systems. Why yeah, don't that, we? Yeah, every, in the yeah. Home. yeah, and businesses. So, yeah. yeah. Businesses have systems. And, you know, a system is asset protection for marriage mm. and family. That is the basic deal. A system is a preventative measure 
from preventing a divorce, right? Having a more stable family. You know, it's a way to recover after a divorce, a death, an illness, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, and it's a way if you remarry to help reblend if you have a system. Yeah. Because you're going to both have, when you get married, you know, Isak, you're, you're, you've been married five years now. Your wife came from a different environment than you came from. Mm-hmm. And so you guys have two systems that you're kind of trying to merge. So even blending is two different systems that you're merging. I call it a language you have a family language that you guys speak and the language is your system. What you value is in how you do your life. And so system is happening, whether you identify it as one or not. So maybe it's a say good a, system or a bad effective, system. Yeah, yeah, an effective system, yeah. Yeah, it's just a system. Like yeah. it's just, it's a way of being and a way of doing life. Yeah, love it. So Brandy, now I'm sure that, well, and even me, right? I'm curious, how do we get started, right? What what can we do to help better and make more effective our systems that we do currently have in place? Is there, a, do you have a program or a class that you have available for us? Yeah, actually I do. It's called Embrace Your Lioness. It's yeah. basically geared towards women and home management because I really feel like women struggle with leadership a lot more than men naturally mm-hmm. unless they're in the workplace so it's called embrace your lioness be the power of one and become the star in your life and so it's a 10-week program that i put together and i'm excited to i think um share it finally i've been working on it for a long time for many years and then it has a counterpart which is simply be more become be the power of one become the star in your life and that's more for newlyweds, um, adulting, children of divorce, you know, and more like towards men, more toward a general population, but I'm a woman. So I wanted to create something that was specifically towards women. And so, and some of their natural um, dispositions. So it's a 10 week course and um, I have it on a Thinkific platform. It'll be going live. We're gonna be test piling it with, with Tresta for Call to Learn her specific audience, tailoring it to um, applying it to religion because it is non, it's a non-religious curriculum mm-hmm. because it has application for everyone. But by doing it exclusively with Call to Learn, I can speak to the spiritual aspect in a way that I, I don't, most people are not, don't understand the same doctrine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and how can we, how can, how can our audience get a hold of that or, or find out more information on that? So that will be on brandyrlewis.com, which isn't quite live yet. And then it'll be on call to learn on the link that Trust and I will be specifically creating for that course. And you can click on that. Okay. And then you can get enrolled and go from there. Okay. Yay. You guys, this has been so good to learn about the the necessity that we need to have effective systems in our home and and to have that real true leadership and not just the management of those tiny little details. So Brandy, thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate you you taking your time and for putting together this course for us and and being able to, to help other people become more effective. So I really appreciate it. Thanks, Tressa. Thanks for having me. No problem. You're welcome. All right, we'll see you later. All right, right, bye-bye. Bye. This has been Gospel Theory, a Call to Learn audio podcast. 
For more podcasts like this, visit our website at calledtolearn.com forward slash podcast.